Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to Realty Talk, your go-to place for all things property investing. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance and we've got more great guests and timely insights to share with you in this week's show. To kick things off, Lachlan Biddler from the Atlas Property Group joins us again to answer the burning question on whether you should invest today. Then we enjoy part two of our great chat with Brett Burkle from Burkle Developments and how he successfully transitioned from being a business entrepreneur to a full-time property developer of townhouses in Melbourne. And with investors struggling to achieve good rental yields with residential property in the current hot market around the country, commercial buyer's agent Steve Polisi from Polisi Property joins us to open your eyes to the cash flow and capital growth opportunities that commercial property offers. And to finish things off, I continue our special series on the art of negotiation, where I open your eyes to the benefits of mirroring and labelling, as well as the importance of perceived power. We've got a lot to cover. So let's get on with the show. Welcome back. Now, while property prices have skyrocketed across the country this year with national average annual growth of over 16%, according to recent CoreLogic figures, talk of market booms and potential busts sit amongst constant stories of media gloom as COVID lockdowns continue to create widespread uncertainty in the days ahead. So should you invest now? or tread water and wait. To discuss this, whether today is a good day as any to invest in property, I'm joined by Atlas Property Group Buyers Agency founder, Lachlan Vidler, the co-author of his great new book, A Military Guide to Property Investing. So welcome back to the show, Lachlan. Thanks for having me, Bushy. Mate, uh, in your opinion, have COVID lockdowns actually negatively impacted the property market? Well, I guess it really depends on what your interpretation of negative is. I mean, on one hand, there's a lot less supply. There's no question about that. Latest CoreLogic data says that we're about 27% below five-year averages for uh, for listings. So if you see that as a negative, then yeah, maybe there has been a bit of a negative impact on COVID. But as, as all good property investors know, fundamentally, price growth comes from supply and demand. And with demand, so high and yet supply so restricted, I would say that the big positive out of this is that prices are going up and they're going up at record rates. And in my opinion, it's not going to stop for a while to come yet. Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think COVID has been more a catalyst than a killer. And it's it's actually throwing petrol on on demand, not water. So uh, exciting times ahead in that regard. So do you think there are some still good opportunities to invest despite the current uncertainty? Oh, without a doubt. I've got, I've got no problem saying that at all. I think the biggest problem right now, as I was saying in the last question, was that we've got supply issues. So it means if in normal times, good quality properties are hard to come by, well, when you've got almost 30% less properties on the market, good properties are even harder to come by now. So uh, are there good opportunities? Absolutely. Is it a lot harder? No questions. And for the astute investor, you're going to spend a lot more time trying to find them. Or for the people who are a bit more pragmatic, I guess this is the type of market where you might look for that professional help, like a buyer's agent, and have them use their time to do that 
and their own professional expertise because it is a bit of a more complicated market right now to make sure you get good quality properties. Yeah, no, it's a very good call. The the old response of just jumping on realestate.com, you, you're going to get lost in the, the flood of opportunity and properties will be gone before you even get a chance to pick up the phone. So I think you're reading that really well. So uh, how will those who are actually willing to take action on the current market benefit when we begin returning to normality, do you think? I think that the ones that are, uh, are going to benefit the most are the ones who are taking that action. And, and for me, what they're going to see is big growth in their portfolios. I mean, all you have to do is look at the data. And for me, a uh, common theme is I love to look at the data because even though you can, you can interpret it certain ways, it's a lot more of a factual perspective to base uh, your opinions on. And for me, you look, I mean, Australia alone, we've done almost 17% growth over the last 12 months. And although we're sort of coming into the last 12 months now, a little bit back into COVID times, most of this last 12 months has been out of COVID times. And that's what's happened. So I think if you just look back and and uh, I think, as I say in my book, the Winston Churchill quote, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Well, why don't why, why won't people learn from last year to this year what's going to happen in the next year? And I think we're going to see that fantastic growth again, maybe even more, who knows? But growth, no questions. Yeah, absolutely, Grant. And uh, to give you another quote, and I'm not sure who made it, mate, but uh, unfortunately, the only thing we learn from history is that we don't learn from history, uh, Lachlan. So uh, those who are astute enough to actually uh, look back and, and see the, the trends that occur with monotonous regularity over the decades are really going to take advantage of the opportunity that's right in front of us right now. So, mate, uh, I really want to thank you again for your expert observations today, and we really appreciate your the, time on the show. Thanks, Bushy. Well, the take home here is very clear. The best time to invest is every time you can afford to, as there's always good opportunities, as long as you've got the right team helping you. Stay with us for more here on Realty Talk. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Welcome. Now, what we love about property is the diversity of people that attracts and the diversity of opportunity that it creates. So to continue our special two-part series on entrepreneurs who've leveraged their business success into the world of property success, we're joined again by Brett Burkle from Burkle Developments, who transitioned from the world of his high-vis workwear to the cut and thrust of property development where he now specialises in developing townhouses in outer Melbourne. So welcome back to the show, Brett. Thank you, Bushy. Good to be back. Now, Brett, uh, picking up from where we left off from part one of our interview, uh, why did you decide to focus on a townhouse business model? Well, we had to start somewhere. And I looked at apartments and doing something more bulky on a single lot. Um, at the time, and there's a variety of reasons why, which I'm sure you discussed previously, there, there was a lot of negative news about apartments and um, different things were sinking and catching on fire and all that sort of stuff. So I, I found the negativity there not to really fit my psyche. Um, then also the very lumpy transactions of 
having a, a very expensive home or um, a big commercial property um, or some of these other sectors, I, I, I didn't like the lumpiness um, of the business model, especially in the first instance. So townhouses really seem to fit the mark. And I think there's continue to, um, there's a definite demand for a downsize, like less, um, less gardens, less maintenance, less overall um, having to look after your home. Uh, but I still feel there's, there's a big market and, and, and a heap of buyers who aren't quite ready to transition all the way to an apartment. Um, I know that over time things are changing, but I've, I saw the, the townhouse model as being a perfect fit for a large portion of, of buyers in the country and also less lumpy than um, yeah, very big, big transactions. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So uh, in, in alignment with that, uh, why have you focused on outer Melbourne as the location? Out of Melbourne, we've mainly focused on the eastern suburbs. Um, we've also producing townhouses in the in the north as well. Um, but we wanted areas that were established. So we wanted areas that already had shops and trains and schools and all the infrastructure that's needed to live happily. Um, whilst you know, same thing like with the apartments, there's obviously a lot of very successful developers. Um, building in green fields and, and way out further. I just, just didn't um, like the idea of introducing buyers into something that was too far away. Um, also, the build-up areas, uh, they as they continue to be infill developed, um, the infrastructure that, and the government spending, like some of the areas we're building in a uh, generating like brand new train stations um, with, with a lot of the, the crossovers from the state government. Um, alongside of that, there's there's new shops and there's upgrades. So there's a heap of government money which uplifts the area, which is something that you personally don't have to spend on. So as you're building your house or your townhouse or, 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 or apartment in the area, um, there's that natural uplift as well. So it's for a variety of reasons, but they're, they're the key points. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, so uh, coming back to you personally then, Brad, what is it about your personality and experience that makes you suited for the property development game? I think um, just business in general and what we've done in the past, there always comes a time to bite the bullet and take a jump. And property probably um, highlights all of those things in, 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 in the most sometimes um, frightening measure. The property is lumpy. Um, it takes it takes whether it's a, a single home or a larger development. It does take a significant um, amount of money, no matter no matter who you are and what walk what walk of life you come from. So, I thought that once um, given given the love I definitely had of, of the property game, um, I thought that when I'd made the decision, my personality to take the leap and back the undeniable um, history of property continuing to rise, I, the, the plan that I put out was one that um, I could see was going to work. Um, the history was with me and um, property just continually always rises. And as long as I didn't make any stupid mistakes um, and, and, and make some big calls the wrong way, which if I did, then all on my shoulders. Um, but once I added all of that up, I, I took the punt. So it's the personality of making a decision based on facts and history and then really just just making the decision to have a go with it so i think that that really is the key reasons why property works and is working for us yeah and i love that mate well uh, really appreciate those inspiring insights brett and thanks again for your time on the show today 
Thanks, Bushy. See you, mate. Take care. Well, there you have it. Uh, if you're an inspire, aspiring property investor who's been treading water, check out burkhill.com.au and take Brett's lead and fire up your knowledge and get invested because you've got to take action to gain traction. Keep watching. You're a trusted place for all things property here on Realty Talk. Property depreciation is the natural wear and tear of a building and its assets. Property investors can claim depreciation as a tax deduction each financial year. Depreciation is a non-cash deduction. This means you don't need to spend any money in order to claim it. On average, BMT tax depreciation find residential investors almost $9,000 in first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300-728-726 today for an obligation-free quote. Hi and welcome. Now, in recent times, the rapid rise in both residential property values, along with extreme demand, has seen rental yields shrinking in the decreasing pool of available properties. And despite mass media negative stories regarding CBD office properties, many passive income investors are now looking into commercial property to improve their cash flows. So to further your awareness and knowledge of the opportunities that commercial property creates compared with residential, we're joined by Steve Polisi, a successful property investor and commercial buyer's agent with Polisi Property. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, Bushy. How are you going? Really good, mate. Uh, been looking forward to catching up with you for a while. And it's certainly a subject that's suddenly getting quite a bit of attention from investors around the country. So let's start with what are the key differences between residential and commercial property? Okay, so everyone knows what a residential property is. It's a place that people live and habitat, uh, whereas a commercial property is where business operates from. So the, the main difference with commercial most people are going to talk about is the length of the leases or effectively how long the tenant's going to stay there, whereas residential, it's going to be six to 12 months on average. Commercial, it can be absolutely anything. There's three, 10, 15, 20-year leases. So it's the length of the tenant. And the reason the tenant wants to stay there is where it's because where they operate their business from. So that that's the key difference of a commercial and residential. Yeah, yeah, no, case that that's an important differentiator. So if we look at the pros and cons of commercial property, give us a rundown on those. Uh, so the first one, as I just mentioned, was longer leases. So you're getting a tenant sometimes five, seven, ten, ten years at a time. Um, the other one is obviously the cash flow. So there's normally a much, much higher yield than residential. Sometimes three to four times. So just, just buying like a million dollar commercial property, you can be talking twenty-five dollars to $75,000 a year cash flow positive. Um, the length of the leases, the cash flow, and the other big one is maintenance. The tenant will actually look after the property because it's where they operate their business from. So they normally pay 100% of the outgoings and that includes council rates, water rates, maintenance, anything that needs doing with the property. Yeah, okay. On And the flip side, the cons, what are the cons, mate? All right, so the one that normally scares most people is obviously the length of vacancy. So it's not like a residential property, whereas if the tenant leaves, you might get a new one in two weeks. If you've gone out and you've bought a bad one, it could be vacant for six months, 12 months, two years, five years. So there's a, there is a much higher risk, but there's also a bigger return if you get it right. Yeah, no, good call. So uh, the uh, can you run us through some of the commercial property value add techniques that uh, you've developed over the years? Yep. All right. So you can get a bit more creative with commercial unlike residential because it is obviously a commercial business space. So you can do things like um, add ATM machines, advertising space on the side of the building, telecommunications on top. Um, you can subdivide the tenancies quite easily as well. Like if you've got a serviced office or retail, you can split it to two. So there's just a lot more kind of value add techniques because 
basically you can do anything that's available in the business world you can do it to your commercial property yeah yeah and it's certainly a lot more latitude there so uh, due diligence is, is the big one uh, what due diligence is required for an investor who's looking at commercial property uh, uh, Stephen, and I'd love you to go into a bit of detail on this one. Yep. All right. So due diligence is a big one, and it, it's much, much more work than residential. Because you're effectively buying into the business, you need to understand that business as well. So you need to look at who their competition is, what foot traffic is, road traffic, things like that. But even checking things like vacancy rates in the area, it's not, not as simple as residential where you go on a website and it tells you what the vacancy rate is. Something as simple as like a retail strip where you have 10 shops in a row the middle ones get penetrated much more easily than the end ones because foot traffic's most important. If it's an industrial, where it's located is much more important because if it's servicing an international kind of area, it needs to be near airport. If it's a fabrication business, it needs to service the local area. So just analyzing the numbers is much more. So in addition to that, you've also got analyzing like the area research, you've got to look into the leases, contract review, tenant review, competition review in the area. So there's quite a lot more to do. So don't just jump into it thinking it's going to be all rosy. You really need to do the work. Yeah. And and clearly uh, for someone who's coming into this uh, for the first time round, uh, trying to uh, navigate that on their own, uh, it's certainly because you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, I'd be strongly suggesting that uh, anyone that's, that's wanting to step into this space would reach out to someone like yourself who has some expertise as an independent buyer's agent who knows what they're looking for in that regard so they can reduce the risk and protect the interests of the investor on the way in. Exactly right. Yeah, awesome. Okay, mate. Well, look, I really appreciate you whetting our appetite to the commercial property opportunity, Steve, and, and thanks for your time on the show today. No worries. Thanks, Bushy. Thanks, Steve. Uh, well, there you have it. If you're frustrated with residential property and you want to diversify your portfolio or you want to learn more about the commercial property world, reach out to Steve and his team at policyproperty.com and start by investing in your knowledge by grabbing a copy of Steve's new book, Commercial Property Investing Explained Simply. More sh shortly here on Realty Talk. Hi, and welcome. In this week's Bush Bite, we continue our special series on the art and science of negotiation. Given the critical importance of your ability to negotiate, especially in the current high demand property market. Last week, we started with the need to change your outlook and to build good rapport. This week, we'll be building your negotiation toolkit by helping you with mirroring and labeling, along with perceived power. So let's kick off with mirroring. Mirroring is the repetition of keywords that the other person uses in conversation. It's designed to show the other person that you're listening and that you understand them. And according to retired FBI lead hostage negotiator, Chris Voss, this is the most effective way when you repeat up to three words from the last words that your counterpart has spoken. It's especially effective in diffusing anger or hostility. For example, if the other negotiating partner says, I've had a really difficult year and it seems like you're discounting all the financial and personal stress I've been under, you simply respond, financial and personal stress? This approach puts people at ease, reduces tension when it's a stressful situation and makes the other person feel like you're listening. And as we all know, people love to talk to someone who's paying attention to them. This simple approach helps quickly build rapport, 
builds more of what's important to them in, the neg- in a negotiation and builds you time to think and reflect on the best solutions and options in order to negotiate a mutually agreeable outcome. Now let's look at labeling. A label is a verbal acknowledgement of the other side's feelings or positions. Labels are used to neutralize negative emotions or to reinforce positive ones. Labels start with you responding with things like, it seems like, it looks like, and you appear to. And these two techniques, both mirroring and labeling, work beautifully together. Let's demonstrate these techniques with a verbal exchange. Let's imagine that I'm interviewing Emma. And I'll ask just two brief questions to kick off the conversation. Then the rest is about mirroring and labeling. So listen out for it. This is how it goes. I start by asking Emma, tell me what you're passionate about. Emma responds, well, I love escape room games. Then I say, what is it about escape room games that makes you passionate? And Emma says, they're fun to do with your friends, they're immersive, and it challenges your mind. I then respond, it challenges your mind? Note here that I'm mirroring Emma's last three words. Emma then says, yeah, you only have 60 minutes to get out. There's a series of puzzles you have to solve in order to get out. I then say, it sounds like you love mental challenges. Now, listen there, because I'm actually using labeling. And Emma answers, I do. It's an immersive experience, like being part of a play. You also try to make it the best experience for others so that they can enjoy it too. I then say, it also sounds like you really like to help people. Again, I'm labeling here. And Emma responds, I guess I do. I never really thought about it like that. I then comment, you sound like a really loyal person too. Again, this is more labeling. And Emma concludes, ah, that's nice of you to say. My friends do say that about me. Now, in this brief exchange, Emma never asked me a question about myself. She didn't learn much about me because she did almost all of the talking. But here's the amazing part. When Emma was asked how she felt about the exchange, she said, it made me feel like you really listened to me and I really connected with you. You see, this simple conversation demonstrates how to build an instant rapport with another person by simply using mirroring and labeling to encourage the other person to talk about themselves. Now, in researching this, I've actually realized that this is the subliminal approach that I take in my podcast interviews to get my guests to open up about subjects of interest. And it's amazing how I've built really great relationships and friendships with our podcast guests after just one interview, as the guests often comment on how connected they feel with me after the interview. Now, Voss calls this approach trust-based influence. If you want the other person to say yes to your idea, you must first gain their trust. And once they trust you, you'll be far more influential and more likely to strike a deal that makes both of you happy. So in summary, mirroring is the repetition of keywords that the other person uses in conversation. A label is a verbal acknowledgement of the other side's feelings or positions. And both of these techniques help build rapport with the person that you're negotiating with. And in summarizing the art and science of property negotiation so far, I've argued that it's important to shift your attitude and outlook away from looking for a zero-sum game or win approach where if I win, you lose, and what I take, you give. Rather, 
Look to understand whoever you're dealing with and figure out what they want, what motivates them, and how to work this into a solution. Look at negotiation as problem solving collaboratively. Work together to get an end result, such as purchasing a successful property purchase. And while you're doing this, build rapport. Be open, friendly, likable, smile, and listen, building trust. Do this with various techniques such as mirroring and labeling, where you gel with the person that you are negotiating with. Now, assuming you've done all of this, the final step is to examine, before actually negotiating the property sale itself, is to look at the power relationship or perceived power. Now, perceived power can have a big impact on the negotiation stance of the parties involved. Where does the perceived power lie between the parties in the negotiation based on the circumstances and the environment? To illustrate this, let me share an example of something that happened some years ago. It's late at night in a big city, and Ted, the businessman, is walking through a dimly lit deserted parkland on his way home. All of a sudden, a would-be robber and a black balaclava wielding a gun sneaks out from the shadows, points the gun at Ted's head, and demands that Ted give him his wallet and his Rolex watch, or he's going to shoot him. How would you feel at that moment? Would you be scared? The attacker feels that he holds the power in the negotiation because he's holding the loaded gun and he's threatening to take Ted's life, or at least impart serious injury, by shooting him if he doesn't cough it up. An uneasy silence ensues, and then Ted responds. Thanks, mate. Please shoot me, because you're going to be doing me a big favour. I've got terminal cancer and I've only got a few months to live, so go ahead and please put me out of my misery. In an instant, the perceived power in that negotiation is completely shifted. The robber's been completely disempowered. The result? The would-be robber turned and just ran off into the night. So have a think about the power in the negotiation. Who really wields it? If you're a genuine buyer, you probably have more than you actually think. The real estate agent wants to get a deal over the line. That's their job. But there are more properties on the market. You can walk away. Now, no one's putting a gun to your head, nor should they think you are. So imagine that the gun is just disappearing in a puff of, puff of dust. So in conclusion so far, the best negotiations fulfill all parties' hopes and dreams. They eliminate uncertainty. They build trust and balance the perceived power playing field to set the scene to arrive at win-win outcomes. Mirroring is a repetition of key words the other person uses in conversation. A label is a verbal acknowledgement of the other side's feelings or positions. And both techniques help build rapport with the person that you are negotiating with. And you may have more power in negotiation than you think. And no one is holding a gun to your head. So imagine any gun disappearing. In next week's negotiation special bushbot, we'll get into the actual nuts and bolts on negotiating the purchase of a home. That's more food for thought. I'm Bushy Martin from the Get Invested podcast. Stay tuned for more. Well, that's a wrap for this week's show. A special thanks to our guests, Lachlan Biddler, Brett Burkle, and Steve Polisi. And a reminder that you can see all of our shows at realty.com.au, along with one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agencies nationally. 
Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 